0: open your Bible to the book of Ephesians as we turn there and as we embark on the family series um, this morning. I've been eyeing this, I mentioned, maybe close to 10 years ago because when I got here in 2012, we still had a, a ton of young families and lots of kids running around and there's more young families and more kids running around. I think we would be Shepherding close to 250 children along with their parents, uh, just from zero to 12, and so that's prolific. And uh, I was just thinking about my own life and family. When I got here, we we have seven kids, all single, and in just those 10 years. Uh, Five of them are married, and within those 10 years, we are getting ready to expect our eighth and ninth grandchild, and that's all happened in 10 years. And so, as a father, as a grandfather, I think that's just my heart for my family as we walk into this series. And it's my heart for your family as we walk into this series. So maybe because we're beginning today, allow me just to read the text to you. And I will be reading from Ephesians 5.22, 5.22 down through 33. And maybe our goal today before I read it will just be to fly high and we'll begin to touch in on the wife's role. But it says in 5.22, wives... that she respects her husband. Let's pray together as we dive into the Word of God. Father, we commit this series to you. Father, we're gathered here because we desperately want to hear from your Word. Thank you for the families here, Father, that I don't think so much come to fight these roles, but to delight in obeying these respective roles for the purpose of our joy and the purpose of your glory. So, Father, would you give us the eyes to see? Would you give us the heart to understand? Would you give us the spirit that enables this truth to become uh, ours in the context of our home? So, Lord, we love you. We commit it to you. And our one desire is to please you and glorify you. We ask this in Christ's name, amen. I mean, certainly marriage today is at its lowest and maybe like no time in the history of the world. I don't think that's an overstatement, do you? I think it may even be an understatement. And certainly the reason behind the devastation of marriage is not the institution itself, but the fallout from rejecting God and the fallout from rejecting his word. But today, we're going to turn our eyes as we read to the scripture. And so I've titled this series, The Gospel Comes Home. The gospel comes home. Maybe it would be around eight, nine, ten messages, but it comes home specifically in the roles to wives, then to husbands, then to children, and then to parents. I thought about calling it Home Depot the do-it store, but I don't think I want to do that. Uh, So we'll call it, The Gospel Comes Home. I do remind you, just as we begin, that marriage was really created by God for the joy of a husband and wife. It's not the only reason that he created marriage, but he created marriage for joy. He created it for his glory. God designed marriage in the book of Genesis He blessed it, and he gave it to us to honor him and to glorify him. So as we begin today, we really come in this passage that I just read to the longest statement in all of the New Testament on the roles of a wife and husband. And these roles, just as I said, have been given uh, by God, and they come to us, and they are counter to every culture. These God-given roles are from God's Word, and they're designed to give us and help us in the home. And remember, let me just say this at the beginning, the only way to implement this teaching is as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. It would be utterly and absolutely impossible to ever think that any home could walk in this fashion apart from the Spirit's work in the heart of a believer and his or her trust in the power of the Word of God. Now, the first role given by God for the happiness of the home is, we'll just get it out up front, is the submission of the wife. The submission of the wife. Now, as we come to this, there are two extremes that we must avoid. I would say first, in a day of gender confusion and freedom of expression, anything that hints of submission is utterly and absolutely rejected. And so there are people who just would see the very word on a wife's submission and reject it because we live in an anti-authority, really an anti-leadership culture seen both in the marriage and certainly in the roles of our government. And so here we have to recognize this, that word for a wife is going to be rejected. Just think of what Paul said in the book of Romans chapter 1, where he said in 128, they did not see fit to acknowledge God, and so God gave them over to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. And they were filled, it says, with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossip, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, and truthless. And what's fascinating is he closes it out and says, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, this is where we live, but they give hearty approval to those who practice them. So I think I understand and you understand that as we begin this series, the extreme, even when you see a word like this, is to reject it altogether. And yet I would have to say to you personally, and sadly, that in our own day, women have been abused and children have been exploited. And that very word submission is misused by our culture. It is overtaken by sin and by anger and by greed. And so it's either rejected, number one, or it's misused altogether. But secondly, that's one extreme. The other extreme, the one that I'm more interested in as I talk to you, is the denial of the local church regarding these specific roles and even the role of a wife's submission. It's just rejected altogether. In fact, believers in churches Discard the roles and responsibilities on marriage, and they say that it is outdated. They say that it is old fashioned. They would say that Paul was a chauvinist, and that really what we need today is after all, we're in the 21st century. We don't live in the first century. So they discard any kind of roles given in marriage because they don't want to submit to God but I would just say that that of course is not our concern I don't even feel like I need to be careful this morning I would never be careful I would always want to come to you and bring the teaching of the word of God and the reason I would do that it is it is the word of God amen amen and the joy is found in these particular roles, and we'll talk on that. I mean, even when the thought of the Apostle Paul, Paul teaches the equality of all peoples, irrespective of race, irrespective of rank, of class, of culture, of sex, or age. Of course, a male and a female are equal before God, but this does not mean that their roles are identical. God himself, of course, created us male and female in his likeness. Both equally bear his image, but both complement each other in the roles that are given. I mean, I would just even ask you, Grace Church, to whom do the women and children owe their freedom? To whom do the women and the children owe their freedom? Is it not Christ who treated women with respect and honor in a culture in which they were despised? Christ is the very one who said, let the little children, what? Come unto me. In fact, he said that in a time of history in which unwanted babies were thrown out as they are today through abortion. He said that in a time when babies were abandoned in the form for anybody to pick up and use them for slavery and prostitution. So let me just say at the beginning, if anybody's brought freedom and joy, it is not our 21st century culture. It is the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ in every way. Let me just take a moment to briefly set the context for you as we step into it. You remember after we laid down the truth of our high position in 1 through 3, he said that a man, a woman, an individual, and for here a couple, needs to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. So listen, as we embark on this series, you can't you know, walk in unity and joy. If you're not walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, then Paul said in chapter five, two, we need to walk in love. And so, whatever I'm going to say today, and whatever Paul says, can't happen apart from the context in which these truths come. He told us to walk as children of light in five eight. He told us to walk wisely in five fifteen. But the emphasis of these roles goes specifically back to 518, look at it there, where it says do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, and then here's the command, but be filled with the Spirit. No man, no woman in the context of marriage could ever live these qualities out apart from the filling of the Spirit. And you remember that series, it's all online if you weren't able to hear that. The filling of the Spirit is the control of the Spirit. The filling of the Spirit results in singing. It results in giving thanks. And thirdly, and this is where we left off, it results, look at 521, where it speaks there of submission, where it says submitting to one another out of the reverence for Christ or out of the spirit and the fear of Christ. So beloved, as you set your eyes on 22 down through 33 and actually all the way through chapter 6, 1 through 4, verse 21 is the hinge. It's the hinge that turns us from what he said to what he's going to say. And so let me say that a godly family begins with a spirit-filled submission before one another. That's the context. And here, God's design for happiness in the home is a thoughtful, intelligent, gentle spirit-filled, submissive wife, and a self-sacrificing, spirit-filled, loving, sacrificial husband. That's what it's all about. So let me just say as we begin, this can't be lived out apart from the Spirit's uh, control in our life. And don't forget that all that we talk about is for beauty that everything we're saying here, God designed back in the garden for the joy and the happiness of the home. There is a seamless picture in what we're about to look at between Christ and the church. That what Christ did and modeled for the church now is to be put into, you know, into action in the home by a loving husband, and by a submitting wife. But the big picture is Christ and the church. And he's going to say something very specifically here. The husband is going to love his wife and lay his life down for her. And the wife is going to submit her life to Christ and respond to her husband through encouragement. So there is just a wonderful, wonderful picture here, so remember that. So here is the most definitive teaching in all of the New Testament. I was reading a story this week that a woman was browsing in a Christian bookstore, which there's not many of those left, and came across a shelf of clearance items And one of the items was a small attractive figurine of a man and a woman and their heads were lovingly tilted toward one another. And at the base of this small ceramic piece was the inscription and the inscription said happy 10th anniversary. And when the woman picked the piece up to try to determine why it was being sold at a clearance price, she found a small note attached to the underside, quote, the wife is coming unglued. (laughs) And, uh, you know, whether you you laugh at that or whether there's sadness at that, I want to help. And the Word of God wants to speak to us on this very issue. So the first role given by God for the happiness of the home is the submission of the wife. Now, you'll note there with me And I tend to not vary. Some people vary. You might say, why doesn't he start with the husband? He starts with the wives. That's true. But I just give you this as we set the table this morning. In the text here, there's 47 words addressed to wives. 47. And there's 143 addressed to the husband. So though he begins with the wife first... He's going to say nearly three times that to that of the husband. So it's the wife here, then the husband. I don't know if it needs to be um, so radical or if we need to look behind that. Look at chapter 6.1. It says children, and then it says to obey your parents, in the Lord, he begins with children, then he begins with the parents. In fact, he moves to the parents after that. He moves to the parents in 6.4, where he says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. But, but he begins with the children, as you can see. Look at 6.5. He begins with slaves to obey your earthly masters. And so that seems to be the order by Paul, and it's possible that submission needs to be worked out in hard places. There's a leadership role given here to those who are addressed. But I I, I do want you to know that he also addresses the second person in the text. A husband is to love his wife. A parent is to not anger his child to anger. That's the word for provoke. And here a boss is not to threaten his co-workers. Look at it in verse 9. It says, masters do the same and stop your threatening. And so he addresses anybody and all alike. But let's look at the wife's submission. And I want to do this by examining and highlighting four features that highlight her role in this marriage, okay? I wanna look at the meaning of submission, the motivation of submission, the model of submission, and therefore, the final one, the measure of a wife's submission. I don't think it's hard to grasp in its outline. He's gonna give us a meaning, He's going to show us the motivation as to the wife's role. He's going to provide a model that he constructs for us, Christ in the church. And he's going to show the measure of a wife's submission. If you glance down in verse 24, it's in everything to their husband. But let's, let's dive in and see where we can get this morning. First, the meaning of a wife's submission. Look at the text in verse 22. It says, wives submit... It says, to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now, it gives her role there. Submission is foundational here, but it's foundational to us, and it's throughout the Scripture, especially as it given to us as believers. Children, it says in Luke 2.51, are to submit to their parents. Workers, both here and in Titus 2.9, are to submit to employers... Believers, according to Romans 13, are to submit to authorities. Believers, in 1 Peter 5 5, where it speaks of young men, are to submit to their leaders. Believers, according to James 4.7, submit to God. Really, this idea is all through our relationships. And again, it's stated in 5.21, when you're really full of the Spirit, you'll submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. The church here in this context submits to Christ in 5.24. We submit, according to Romans 8.7, to the Word of God. But here, wives... Submit to your own husbands. Now, let me give, as I look at this meaning with you, just state the obvious. This is a command. This is a command. And so I could say this is not an option. This command that comes to you, wives, your time will come, husbands, is in the present tense, meaning that this command is an ongoing state. You say, well, what does that word mean? It's a compound word. It's not hard to understand. It's a compound word. The first part of the word is hoopo, and it just means under. The second part of that word is "tasso," which means to line up under. So when you put it together, it means to just submit oneself uh, under another. So the main idea of submission is that of relinquishing one's rights to another person to one who is in authority. So it is the recognition, submission of God's order in the home. And we'll look at this next week. You say, well, why is that? Because God has given the husband to be the head and to be the spiritual leader to his wife, to lay his life down for her, to lovingly sacrifice for her, that he bears the spiritual responsibility of the home and that as the head, he is called to not be passive, to not be absent, but to be actively leading and purifying and sanctifying his wife and leading her to the word of God and sacrificing for her. And here, the wife's role is that she would find herself in submission to her godly, sacrificial, loving husband. You say, why is that? Well, we'll look at that next week. He made Christ the head of the church and he put the husband as the spiritual leader of the home, okay? Let me clarify a few things for you, okay? Interesting to me that when Paul uses the word submit here, wives submit to your husbands, he uses it, let me clarify this, in the middle voice. You say, well, pastor, I don't know what that means, the middle voice. It just means that this is what one does to oneself. So what does that mean? I'll tell you. It means here in the middle voice, it is emphasizing the voluntary submission of a wife to her husband. The wife, if you will, as she has a command from God, is willingly placing herself Under the authority of her husband. So submission then is a voluntary response of a wife giving up her independent exercise of his her will. Now I I say that because I just want us to understand it here. A wife is not commanded in this text to obey her husband, a child is to obey their parents. Here in this text, she is not uh, called to obey as an employee would to obey his master or her master in the Lord because a wife is not an employee. A wife is not a child. A wife submitting to her husband is much more tender than that. You say, well, Scott, why do you say that? Well, look at the text, and it needs to be there in 22. Wives, submit, and do you see this word? It says to your own husband. In other words, you're submitting, if you will, and this submission is special. It should be. This submission is intimate. I I think the thought here of the writer is he's saying, wives, submit to your husband who is exclusively yours and so the wife's submission beloved is a voluntary response be clear to her own husband never does the bible say that a woman is submissive to every man i mean i don't think i need to to say that here But the Bible never states that. The Bible never commands the general submission of women to all men in the society. So I could say if you're a single-aged woman or a teenage woman, you are never commanded to submit to another man who is not your father, okay? So here it is, it's in the middle voice. And you say, Why? What do you mean it's in the middle voice? I <laughs> just say, A husband is never told to tell his wife to submit. Now, here it's implied as God gives a command to a wife, but a husband doesn't have the prerogative. To tell his wife that it's her duty to submit. His role is to love her. His role is to sacrifice for her. His role is to purify her. And here the wife is voluntarily placing herself under her husband. Because the Bible's going to speak as to the Lord. So, Okay, so pastor, what does it mean there if I put my pastor's hat on to you? What, what does this mean? It means... A wife is a helper to her husband. Genesis 2.18. She's been created by God to support her husband. She's been created by God to encourage him. You just heard that out of the mouth of Nina this morning. She's a helpmate to, to John Paul. She is not therefore then in her life to undermine him... She is not there to demean him. She is not there to seek to control him. She is to engage him. She is to love him. You say love him. Is it different than a husband's love for his wife? And my answer would be absolutely it is different. A husband is commanded to love agape his wife. But when it says in the book of Titus in chapter 2, 4, and 5 that an older woman, woman is to teach the young women to love her husband and love her children, he doesn't use agape there. I've told you this. He uses phileo. He exhorts the older woman or to train the younger women. Listen, I don't want you to sacrifice for your husband. I want you to have a phileo love for him. I want you to enjoy your husband. And so here, the wife is to honor him, is to respect his leadership in the home. She is to encourage him to take the lead. She is to build him up. She is to give him respect. You say, well, pastor, why do you say that? Glance down in your Bible. He closes that bracket out when he's talking about Christ in the church, but in 533, however... Let each one of you uh, love his wife as himself, and then this, and let the wife see to it that she, what, respects her husband. So here may be at least a hint. She is to respect her husband, and some of you might be feeling, that's the problem, pastor, I don't feel respect for him, and I would say that might be the problem. You might not feel respect for him. But the point of the text is look at it. See to it that she gives is the thought. Respect to her husband. You say, well, how can I do that, pastor? Well, then don't always doubt him. Don't always second guess him. Follow his lead. Not blindly. I'll talk about that in a moment. Respond to his initiative unless it's sinful, of course. Share your insight with him, but don't undermine his leadership that God gave him to lead your family. He is the head, and the head doesn't give him the right. No, the head gives him responsibility to be the spiritual leader in his family. So the submission of a wife recognizes that her husband is the head of the home and responds to him without usurping or even controlling his authority back to herself. So here is a wife's submission. It's simply a God-ordained distinction in the function and role for the order of a home. Men and women, I've said this before, are equal in dignity. Both are created in God's image Equal in redemption, co-heirs of eternal life. But the wife defers in her role to the leadership of her husband for the joy of the marriage relationship. Let me just say this. A wife may be more competent than her husband in many areas. And if God has blessed you with a wife like that, praise God. The delegation by the husband is not an abdication of his role. I mean, why would you not listen to her in areas of expertise? She is a co-heir with you. She is equal standing before God. She is a member of Christ's church. She is your spouse. You are her own husband. And so we're going to talk through that. But let me just dive in just for a second on the misunderstandings of submission. The misunderstandings of submission. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, here's what it does not mean. Number one, this does not mean that a wife's submission is unlimited or unqualified. It does not mean that a wife's submission is unlimited or unqualified. There seems to be some extreme teaching in some places that has spread through Christianity that says for a woman to be obedient to this passage, she must submit to her husband no matter what he tells her to do. Let me just say, and I probably don't need to say it, that is not true. That is not true. If if your husband says, become an atheist you're not gonna bow to that. If your husband says here, sign these papers for these tax returns, I have lied all over these tax returns and you need to sign these and therefore follow me even though he falsified them. I don't believe that's submission, okay? Or if her husband says, "I'm, I'm stretching here, let's get drunk together. She could politely, she could just say, listen, you know what, I'm not going to do that. She doesn't have to demean him, doesn't have to belittle him, but she doesn't have to disobey a clear command of God to her her husband. If a husband says, I want you to be involved in some kind of perversion for me, with me, or with others, no, she doesn't have to submit to that. Or if a husband, I'm just, I'm stretching it here, is abusive, Or if a husband is endangering the safety both of his wife and his child. As a pastor, I would say call 911, right? We're clear on this. So I don't want you to go to the extreme. In fact, I might even say we'd probably counsel you to get a restraining order if in some way there has been abuse or he's threatening that. A wife is not commanded to submit to abuse. If the husband breaks the marriage vow by adultery, a wife has the choice to pursue a divorce according to the scripture. If if a husband breaks that vow and is unrepentant in that relationship, a wife is not doomed to stay in that relationship where there's unrepentant sin, Matthew 5 and 19. If he chooses to break the oneness, or a wife does, the sacredness of marriage, our Lord has created an exception there. And so I'm just telling you there are exceptions to this teaching in other scriptures. Submission does not mean a wife places her husband before God. It doesn't mean that. A wife is first and foremost, amen, a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. If a husband abuses his authority by either commanding what God forbids or forbidding what God commands, then you cannot yield to that and therefore disobey God. I mean, there is no place in all of the Bible that declares that a wife or a Person is to submit in an unlimited way. There, we see this in government. We see this in business. We see this in parents. You say, What do you mean with parents? A father who provokes his child to anger is in sin and he needs to be instructed in that. A father, a parent, doesn't have the right to abuse a child physically. So this is not an unqualified final submission without exception. Here is simply the biblical principle. A wife is to follow or submit up to the point where obedience to a husband's authority would involve her in disobedience to God. But I hate to say that because wives, would it not be your glad joy Would it not be your delight to follow under the leadership of your husband when your husband so loves you, when he's acting like Jesus Christ in the home, when he is serving you in the home, when he is sacrificing for you in the home, when he is loving your children, when he is bringing your home to the principle of the word of God, when he is leading your children, when he is bathing every decision in prayer when he's coming to you on the gray matters and saying, listen, honey, I, I, I want your input here. I value you. And this is not a black and white decision. But listen, let's make this, I mean, I think it would be your joy. It would be your joy to follow that type of man. You must, as Peter said, though in the previous statements, obey God rather than man. So number one, a wife's submission is not unlimited or unqualified. Secondly, submission does not mean, I just have to clarify this, that a wife doesn't influence her husband. It doesn't mean that a wife doesn't influence her husband. As one said, submission does not mean a wife leaves her brain at the altar. It does not mean that a husband does not consult with his wife. It does not mean that a husband would not glean wisdom from her. It does not mean that a husband would not share and seriously come alongside her concerns and a judgment over a matter. In fact, I would say to you, husbands, you would be foolish not to. You're co heirs of the grace of life. But a wife may see a situation to influence her husband, to warn her husband, to caution him with words of grace and wisdom. And if a husband is about to make an unwise financial decision, I think the wife has the responsibility to say, here's my concerns. Here's what this might look like going forward. Here's where we stand now on that. But I think there's a way to approach him, to speak to him in truth, but with respect and a Christ honoring disposition to honor him. Okay? But a wife in a disagreement is not to resort to disrespect, to belittling, to demanding. Or demeaning him in any way where she controls and stifles her husband's leadership. So there is a thought on a wife's submission. That's the meaning. You say, Scott, is there a motivation for that? And there certainly is. Look at it in verse 22. It says a wife is to submit to her own husband as to what? What? the Lord. And we'll pick this up next time. the, The husband is not the Lord. You are placing yourself under because God has given a command, but ultimately he's your horizontal relationship, but the vertical relationship is as to the Lord. And so the motivation of a wife's submission is the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're out of time already. We'll pick it up next week, okay?